This is the Arc of Change with Donzel Leggett, a podcast from the Anti-Racism Commitment Coalition, an organization dedicated to eradicating racism and hate and spreading anti-racism. Listen as Donzel talks about the relevant topics that will inspire you and help build your capability to take action and change the world. Because none of us are doing enough as long as racism still exists. And now, here's your host, Donzel Leggett. Hello and welcome to the fourth episode of season two of the Arc of Change with Donzel Leggett. In this episode, I will share the feedback that I received from my daughters about Arc that made me realize that the mission of Arc may not be as clear to everyone as it should be. Then I will leverage this feedback to simply and concisely explain to you what ARC is all about and what is expected from its members to make the vision of a racism-free world a reality. Now let's get started with our show. So I am Donzo Leggett, host of the ARC of Change podcast and founder of the Anti-Racism Commitment Coalition, or ARC. Our vision of ARC is to build a racism-free world. And our mission is to provide inspiration, education, and support for you to transform, practice, and spread anti-racism. Now, this begins with our process to personally transform to anti-racism. There are three steps. The first is erasing your ignorance about racism and hate. The second is educating yourself about anti-racism. And the third is all about building the character and confidence to stand up, speak out, and take action to spread anti-racism and to make positive change happen. Well, as you know, I start every episode with that vision and that mission. And the intent is to ensure that we're providing clarity, that I'm clear on what we do and how we do it at ARC. But recently I had a very heated discussion with two of my daughters that opened my eyes to the fact that Maybe the vision, the mission, and more importantly, the message and perception of ARC may be clear to me, but it may not be so clear to everyone else. In fact, they may not have such a good perception of what we're doing. Look, I have three daughters, and this discussion was with the two youngest. And when I say young, they're not kids. You know, they're 20 and 24. So adults, young adults who have really good perspective if I'm willing to listen. I like to think that I am willing to listen, that I love feedback, that I cultivate it to ensure that I can always get better, that I can continuously improve and continuously learn. But I have to be honest with you, I was surprised um, by this feedback. It caught me off guard. It seemed to come out of nowhere. I hadn't really thought or heard from them on this perspective in this way before. Obviously, I have very strong emotional ties to ARC, having founded the organization and led the organization since we started it in the fall of 2020. So I did push back. I did push back. And I wanted to make sure that I was clear on the feedback that they were giving me. But it probably felt more like I was questioning their feedback. But I was listening. Um, Both of them had similar things to say, but it wasn't exactly the same. It was slightly different. So they weren't even exactly on the same page, but it did highlight for me a key theme of a perception 
that might be what many could interpret the message of art to be. And according to one of my daughters, the younger one, it pushes people away in her mind. And it's the idea or this idea in her view that what Ark is saying is if you did one specific thing at one specific time, like who you voted for or some products that you may have bought from certain companies, um, that if they were viewed to be on the other side of racism, in other words, racist by me or the organization, then you're branded a racist forever. That's basically what her message was. Um, I didn't agree with that, but I did understand where she was coming from. I wanted to talk to my older daughter, who was not uh, in that discussion that day, and who actually is a, a very, very strong volunteer for ARC. In fact, she's a board member. She leads our, our marketing organization. And I wanted to see what she thought. As soon as I approached her, she told me right away that her two younger sisters had already contacted her. So she knew exactly, you know, what the conversation was and asked her, you know, what was her thought? And it actually was was opposite to what I heard from them. Um, you know, she said, you know, at ARC, we're, we're not saying what they said. We're about promoting you to transform by having conversations with people in your network um, to begin to educate them, to begin to help them see, you know, what racism is. Um, and then help them transform to anti-racism. And we do that on our own pace. Uh, and, you know, at some point, though, we do have to say something. We have to do something. We have to stand up. We have to speak out. We have to take action uh, to help them transform. Um, that's her words. Of course, that made me feel really good because it was aligned with what I was thinking. But after I thought about it a little longer, I realized the, 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 the fact that was you know staring me in the face. And that is, you know, Obviously, my older daughter is involved with ARC, so she will she would know and be much more aligned with kind of the way that we're doing things. She runs our marketing organization, so she she works on the messaging all the time. But the important part was that all three of my daughters had a different perception of what ARC was supposed to be about. And that means that there's clear confusion on what ARC is supposed to be about. And I had to listen to all of my daughters, not just the one that aligned with me. I had to listen to them that the perception is real for them. Their perception is their reality. And it was three different realities. And I had to face the fact that if my daughters, who are obviously extremely close to me, uh, if they have different perspectives of art that are vastly different, then clearly other people who are not directly related, other people that don't operate within my family, others who may not know me, who may just be exposed to ARC through the things we post or visiting our website or may have just heard of us, they're going to have different perceptions as well. Which means that I have not done a good enough job explaining what ARC is truly about and bringing it to life for you in a way that is clear. I, I've had some really good, in my opinion, podcasts, starting every one of them with that vision and that mission, welcoming in guests who hopefully bring to life the transformation that we're looking for. But clearly, if confusion exists in my family, it's not a good enough job. So I got to listen to my daughters when they speak, take their feedback. So I'd like to dedicate the rest of this episode to simply and concisely explain what ARC is all about and what is expected from our members to make the vision of a racism-free world 
a reality. So let me start by saying, look, I've already mentioned what our vision is, which again is to build a racism free world. And our mission, which is to provide the inspiration, education and support for you to practice and spread anti-racism. And I talked about how by erasing the ignorance about racism, by building intelligence and educating yourself about anti-racism and by developing the character and confidence to spread anti-racism. Now, the way we talk about spreading that is one person at a time or one friend group or network at a time with the effect of exponential network growth. We know that saying that we want to create a racism free world seems incredibly hard, maybe even impossible. But our view at ARC is that if, that if we leverage exponential network growth, we can do that. In other words, if you tell a friend something and they tell a friend something and so on and so on and so on, you spread that message exponentially one at a time or certainly uh, multi multiplicatively one at a time. But you can magnify this by including not just one person, but maybe a group of 10 people, your family and your friend group. And if you influence them to do the same thing, if you educate them, erase their ignorance on racism, educate them about anti-racism and give them the confidence to spread it. And if they do so and they do it with their small group networks of 10 people or so, now you go from one to 10 and from 10 to 100 and from 100 to 1,000 and so on and so on and so on. That's how we believe that we can eradicate racism from the world, right? But we also know that it is really important to ensure that we're very clear because if we're talking about spreading across different friend groups and networks, everyone has got to feel included. And so we have five core values that are displayed on our website that, that try to ensure that we're open to all. That we're not saying, hey, because you're part of this group or you did this yesterday, you, you're not welcome. No, that's not true. Our five values are number one. We are a global organization. All races, ethnicities, and nationalities are welcome to join art. And today we have them as part of the organization and as part of our board. All genders and or sexual orientations and identities are welcome to join ARC. We welcome all pronouns. LGBTQIA+, and we have members of that community that are a part of ARC, of all gender communities that are part of ARC, of all identity communities that are part of ARC. Three, we welcome all political views to join ARC. As long as our members, no matter what political view they have, make sure that they cast their votes and support people who also support anti-racism. We have members of different political views, not only here in the United States, but from different parts of the world that are part of ARC. Number four, we welcome all religions to be part of ARC as well. Doesn't matter what your religion is, whether you're a Hindu, whether you're Catholic or Christian of whatever denomination, whether you're Buddhist, whether you're agnostic, whether you're an atheist, you should be part of ARC. We want you to be part of the Anti-Racism Commitment Coalition. And today we have members of all different religions, many different religions. Of course, there are thousands of religions, but many different religions as part of our organization. No one 
is turned away from being a part of ARC. And as I said from the beginning, it doesn't matter what you believed yesterday when it came to comes to racism or hate. It doesn't matter if you supported something that I don't support yesterday. Once you become aware, the question is, what decision do you make going forward? That means you can come from any background and you're welcome to be part of our organization. We have a coalition of 120 committed members who are willing to have their names and their pictures on our website to say loudly and clearly that they believe in anti-racism and anti-hate so that they can inspire each other and inspire others who visit our website to join ARC, to stand up, to speak out, to take action, to do what may seem hardest, which is targeting and transforming those closest to us, but what is in actuality easiest because we have such strong relationships with those folks. And if we approach them in the way that you leverage your relationship, your closeness to know how they think, to know what they value, you can take your own pace to bring them along and transform them. But at some point, you do have to take action. Now, also on our website, we provide resources to help our members continually learn, continuously develop, because none of us will ever know enough. And transforming yourself and working on influencing your friends, your family, your internal network, or even others outside of your network takes continuous work, takes practice, takes support. Can't go do it tomorrow if you don't have that preparation. So we provide relevant books, other written materials, access to relevant videos, access to this podcast. You can get every episode of this podcast from our website. We also have a youth-focused talk show called The Deep Dive. You have access to prior uh, recordings of that show. We also have a community in action discussion event uh, that, that has, I think, four or five different discussions that are also available on our website that talk about difficult topics and hear different perspectives, again, to help educate and continue to build your development. So we feel very strongly about what we're doing. We think it's the right thing to do. We're open to everyone joining. Our thing is, at some point, you do have to take action. But we're not condemning anyone for what they've done in the past. What we're asking is to learn, to educate, and at some point, take action. So as I said, that's what we're looking for, and that's why we ask our members to make a commitment. We want our members to be very clear on what it is we're trying to do and what we expect from them. So if you also go to our website, you see that there is a, a commitment a page that you can go on and, and read the different things that we say, as an ARC member, we want you to commit to do. And those things are, hey, number first and foremost, commit to transforming yourself and commit to transforming everyone in your network to be anti-racist. Now, if your network is two people, it's two people. If your network is 20 people, it's 20 people. You make that decision on how big your network is, but you commit to transforming yourself and transforming at least one other person on your pace. We ask you to commit to continuously educating yourself about the true history of the United States or wherever you are in the world to understand that racism and hate have been around for a long, long time. And to make sure that if you understand the history, you can ensure you shape the future to turn away from the bad things in our history. We can't turn a blind eye to real history or there's a risk it will repeat. We commit to speaking out about racism, 
taking action to eradicate it and not worrying about who the audience is. Yes, there'll be some people who won't like what you say. They won't like what I say, but I'm willing to face that consequence. And as an ARC member, you have to be willing to face that consequence. We commit to never, never allowing racist dog whistles to go unchallenged. That means if you have friends in your network and they say something that you know is wrong, you know is not the right thing, whether it's against a race or religion and ethnicity, whether it's against someone who uh, doesn't fit the, the body size or body style that some others might, might prefer, uh, whether it's uh, someone who's anti-LGBTQ and they say something like that, we can't let that stand as ARC members. We have to say something, educate them, challenge them on what is wrong, what's right. We commit to always voting and using our vote for candidates who stand for anti-racism and using it against those who don't, who stand behind racist policies, who stand behind hateful policies. We commit to using our money as a tool to promote anti-racism by supporting businesses that publicly take a stance against hate and against racism and not spending our money on businesses that don't do that that are either remaining silent, won't say anything about it, uh, or are supporting causes that we know are racist and we know are hateful. And we commit to supporting ARC as an organization publicly by displaying our pictures and our commitment statements on our coalition page to again provide inspiration to each other and to the next prospective ARC member. So I said a lot, but the bottom line of all of this is what I'm going to say here. Our vision is to end racism. Our way means committing to learning and transforming yourself to stand up, speak out, and take action. And attract, recruit, and transform other members. Our focus is on those who want to transform. We know that there's some people that are out there that probably are not willing or open to hear these messages right now. But there are others who simply are willing to hear it or don't know if they are or not, don't talk. Those are the people we're trying to target. Folks in your network who just aren't taking action. Focus folks in your network who may have some different views, but you know that they're open to a conversation. Those are the people we're trying to target and to work on transforming them. And we know that they're members of your family and your friend group. The key for us at ARC at some point, you do have to take action. You have to stand up. You have to speak out. You have to, again, take action. We cannot remain silent. You cannot just not do anything. Being a non-racist, someone who says there's color is no thing, there is no racism, I'm not a racist, and doesn't stand up against racism, actually supports racism. Being silent in the face of hate endorses hate. Look, all of us at ARC are just everyday people trying to do our part. We recognize that this is hard work, but necessary work. And it's necessary for those of us who are most fortunate, who maybe live in the suburbs or nicer urban areas, who have good jobs, who can send our kids to good schools, we are the ones who can afford to stand up, speak out, and take action. But many of us choose not to because we have something to lose. And it is this fear 
that those who espouse racism and hate and doing wrong to others count on to keep us silent. The fear that if we say something, if we speak out, then they're going to say something bad about us. That some of our friends won't agree with us and make our friendships uncomfortable, maybe even lose them. The fear that they will attack us publicly, shame us or try to on social media. But we cannot bow to this fear. We must conquer it to beat racism, hate and wrong. Or it will win. This is what ARC is about. We must stand up, speak out and take action. Listen to this audio of a video that went viral on social media last week of a Michigan state senator. Her name is Mallory McMorrow, which as soon as I heard it, I said, that's what we do. It so brilliantly illustrates what we're talking about in terms of what ARC and ARC members are trying to develop ourselves to be able to do on a regular basis. Take a listen. Visit us at joinarcc.org. Follow us on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter. And like us on Facebook. Thank you, Mr. President. I didn't expect to wake up yesterday to the news that the senator from the 22nd district had overnight accused me by name of grooming and sexualizing children in an email fundraising for herself. So I sat on it for a while wondering why me? And then I realized because I am the biggest threat to your hollow, hateful scheme. Because you can't claim that you are targeting marginalized kids in the name of, quote, parental rights if another parent is standing up to say no. So then what? Then you dehumanize and marginalize me. You say that I'm one of them. You say she's a groomer. She supports pedophilia. She wants children to believe that they were responsible for slavery and to feel bad about themselves because they're white. Well, here's a little bit of background about who I really am. Growing up, my family was very active in our church. I sang in the choir. My mom taught CCD. One day, our priest called a meeting with my mom and told her that she was not living up to the church's expectations and that she was disappointing. My mom asked why. Among other reasons, she was told it was because she was divorced and because the priest didn't see her at mass every Sunday. So where was my mom on Sundays? She was at the soup kitchen with me. My mom taught me at a very young age that Christianity and faith was about being part of a community, about recognizing our privilege and blessings and doing what we can to be of service to others, especially people who are marginalized, targeted, and who had less often unfairly. I learned that service was far more important than performative nonsense like being seen in the same pew every Sunday or writing Christian in your Twitter bio and using that as a shield to target and marginalize already marginalized people. I also stand on the shoulders of people like Father Ted Hesburgh, the longtime president of the University of Notre Dame, who was active in the civil rights movement, who recognized his power and privilege as a white man, a faith leader, and 
the head of an influential and well-respected institution and who saw black people in this country being targeted and discriminated against and beaten and reached out to lock arms with Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. when he was alive, when it was unpopular and risky and marching alongside them to say, we've got you to offer protection and service and allyship to try to right the wrongs and fix injustice in the world. So who am I? I am a straight, white, Christian, married, suburban mom who knows that the very notion that learning about slavery or redlining or systemic racism somehow means that children are being taught to feel bad or hate themselves because they are white is absolute nonsense. No child alive today is responsible for slavery. No one in this room is responsible for slavery. But each and every single one of us bears responsibility for writing the next chapter of history. Each and every single one of us decides what happens next and how we respond to history and the world around us. We are not responsible for the past. We also cannot change the past. We can't pretend that it didn't happen or deny people their very right to exist. I am a straight, white, Christian, married, suburban mom. I want my daughter to know that she is loved, supported, and seen for whoever she becomes. I want her to be curious, empathetic, and kind. People who are different are not the reason that our roads are in bad shape after decades of disinvestment, or the, that healthcare costs are too high, or that teachers are leaving the profession. I want every child in this state to feel seen, heard, and supported, not marginalized and targeted because they are not straight, white, and Christian. We cannot let hateful people tell you otherwise to scapegoat and deflect from the fact that they are not doing anything to fix the real issues that impact people's lives. And I know that hate will only win if people like me stand by and let it happen. So I wanna be very clear right now, call me whatever you want. I hope you brought in a few dollars. I hope it made you sleep good last night. I know who I am. I know what faith and service means and what it calls for in this moment. We will not let hate win. So why did this go viral? Not because the senator expressed any new or brilliant ideas, but because very few people have something to lose, whether it's popularity, standing within the community, business, friends, whatever. Something to lose, very few of them would say something like this. It takes courage and character to speak out, stand up and take action to rebuke the racist systems that exist in this country. But to have it come from a typical white mom, as she said, a white middle-class cisgender, again, white woman from the suburbs, this is what got people's attention. She refused to stay silent. She rebukes non-racism and the idea that you can be a good person and not speak out against wrong, against racism, against hate. She's willing to stand up for what's right, regardless of who agrees with her. Knowing, she knew obviously she was going to be attacked. She had already been attacked. She knew by coming out she was going to be a, invite even more attack. But she's willing to give something up 
to send the message of right versus wrong and to make a better society. She's modeling what ARC stands for. Do you have to do what she did in front of a big group, run for office and speak in front of the Senate? No. Do you have to call a meeting uh, in your community and speak in front of hundreds of people and say what she just did? No. Do you need to record a speech and send it out on social media like I did? No. But as you learn, you must change your behaviors and you must be willing to stand up, speak out and take action or at the very least, take that action with those in your immediate network. It can just be one person if you want. Family, friends, your friend group, people you have credibility with. Educate them. Share your views with them. Work to transform them. As I said, they may have had a completely different view before and they may still have a completely different view now. They may have voted for someone you didn't agree with before. They may still may want to at this point. They may want to spend their money on companies that you don't think are the, the right companies because of their stance on certain policies. But the question is, and what we're trying to do at ARC, is have conversations with them. Start with one person and start educating them and work to influence them to begin the transformation process. This is what ARC is about. It's about as members doing the work to transform yourselves and then start to spread anti-racism. You cannot do that by remaining silent. Again, does it mean you're a racist or a proponent of hate if you voted for a candidate that promotes racist and hateful policy and systems? I'm going to keep saying this to make it clear. No, it does not mean that. But once you are aware of this, you cannot keep voting for those candidates. You cannot keep supporting those who support hate. You must stand for anti-racism. Does it mean that, if you, that you are a racist or a proponent of hate if you spend your money with companies that promote racism and hateful policies and systems or that remain silent? No, I'm going to keep saying it again to make sure it's clear. But once you are aware of this, you cannot keep spending your money with those companies. That's supporting racist and hateful policy. Let me give you an example. I love shrimp. Everyone that knows me knows that. I'm from Key West. I grew up on seafood. I love shrimp. I love seafood. And you know what? I used to buy indiscriminately. I'd be looking for the best price I could get. For shrimp, I didn't know, you know, it didn't really matter to me where it was from. You know, it could be from the U.S., it could be from South America, it could be from uh, the Caribbean, it could be from Asia. Um, I got what was on sale, as long as it tastes good. Then I became aware. I became aware of something I had not known before. That shrimp farmed in some countries in Asia, most specifically Thailand, could be, could be, fed with feed that's harvested with slave labor. Immigrants from other countries who may have gone to Thailand or gone to another country looking for a better life promised that they would get it, but then taken out on the ocean on a boat that collects what would be used and processed for food for, for, uh, for farm shrimp and forced to work on those boats in terrible conditions. 
I learned that there were even stories that for those who refused to work, they were tortured and killed. Modern day slavery for shrimp. I couldn't take that. And now that I was, I was aware, I immediately stopped buying shrimp from Thailand and any other Asian country that may be affiliated with this. In fact, I stopped buying farm shrimp altogether unless it was from the U.S. because I just wasn't sure. And I didn't want to support slave labor. Did it mean I was a bad guy and a racist or a supporter of hate and slavery because I was buying shrimp from Thailand? No. But it would have meant that if after I learned those facts, after I did my research, if I would have continued to buy shrimp from farm from Thailand, I would have been categorized in that, in that specific vein. I would be supporting racism and slavery. But I didn't stop there. I started sharing my research with my friends and my family my network, and I told them to stop buying farm shrimp from Asia because of this slave labor issue, specifically from Thailand. I started telling my colleagues at work as well. I started sending information out to other friend groups to share with their friends. I refused to remain silent while people I didn't even know had never even met and were thousands of miles away from me were being oppressed forced into slave labor and even killed. I stood up, spoke out and took action. I did not remain silent. This is what's needed to end racism and hate. This is what ARC is about. We need people who normally don't say anything, who normally don't stand up, speak out or take action. Those who can afford to do it, those who live in the suburbs, those who live in nice areas, those who have good jobs, those who are, who are poor and struggling, they can't afford to be doing this. They have to because their lives are on the line. It's us who are fortunate enough who need to be speaking out. We cannot remain silent. That's what ARC is saying. This is why Dr. King, Dr. Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King spoke so often. He gave so many speeches. But if you look for his quotes, what's the, the one thing he's quoted most often about? People don't like using it today, but if you look for it in his speeches, what did he talk most about most often? The one thing is silence, the danger of silence. Here's four quotes from him just on this. In the end, we will remember not the words of our enemies, but the silence of our friends. Another quote, our lives begin to end the day we become silent about things that matter. Another, he who accepts evil without protesting against it is really cooperating with it. And finally, the ultimate tragedy is not the oppression and the cruelty by the bad people, but the silence over that by the good people. You know, last episode, I profiled former German Chancellor Angela Merkel. Now, no one would confuse the speech-giving ability of Angela Merkel's with Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. She was not, and is not, a passionate, uh, you know, engaging speaker. But you don't have to be to take action. And what's most important about Angela Merkel, if you listen to the episode, is she took real action in the face of significant pushback from her people, who she led in Germany, and across Europe. And criticism from others all around the world 
because she stood up and she welcomed in 1.7 million brown and black and Muslim refugees into Germany. She stood against racism and hate by taking action. The late human rights champion, Janetta Sagan, never remained silent. Here's a woman who grew up in Italy during Mussolini's fascist government. And even after her father, a Catholic doctor, was captured, shot, and killed by Mussolini's goons. Even after her mother, also a doctor, but a Jew, was captured and sent to Auschwitz, where she was killed in the gas chambers, Janetta still did not stay quiet. She was only 17 years old when she began her lifelong journey to stand up, speak out, and take action against oppressors. Even after she was captured and tortured and raped repeatedly for several years until she eventually escaped, she did not remain silent. She immediately continued her mission to stand up, to speak out, and again to take action against racism, hate, and oppression in the United States, in Europe, in South and Central America, and in South Africa. She never remained silent. Janetta Sagan once said, silence in the face of injustice is complicity with the oppressor. You know, in 2019, I had the great, great honor, one of the greatest honors of my life of meeting the late Judy Meisel. Judy spent um, a large portion of her life speaking out, standing up and taking action against hatred and racism. She and her family were captured by the Nazis in her small village in Lithuania during World War II and taken to Auschwitz concentration camp, where they all were tortured, forced into slave labor, and all members of her family except Julie were murdered there. She and her mother were actually in line, she told me, at the gas chamber, and her mother begged a guard to take Julie out of the line since she was still a young girl and could do more work for them. The guard listened and dragged Julie away. And as Julie was watching, she had the agony of watching her mother go into the gas chamber to be killed. Julie was freed by the Allies when Auschwitz was liberated and eventually moved to America. And there she saw racism just like she saw in, Eastern, in Europe uh, with the Nazis. And she fought against it. She gave me an example where she lived in a neighborhood and a black family moved in. And all the neighbors protested in front of the black family's house. This was in the 1960s, obviously making them feel terrible, throwing things in their windows, trying to make them leave. And Julie said she went in her home, she baked an apple pie, she came out, she forced her way through all those protesters. She took the pie to the family, she hugged each one of them, she welcomed them, and she told everyone, I am here and I stand with them. I refuse to let what happened to me happen to this family. When I asked her, did she blame Hitler for what happened to her and her family? She said, it wasn't Hitler or what he did that hurt me most. Hurt me physically, but that's not what hurt me most. It was horrible. It was inhuman, no doubt. But he had been saying what he was going to do for a long time. Everyone knew what he was going to do. It was the rest of the world, she said, that hurt, that hurt us. Because they saw the same thing that everyone else did. They saw it happening. And yet they remained silent and did not intervene until after six million people were killed.
our objective at ARC is to build a racism-free world. We know that this sounds like an impossible dream, but we believe it can be done through our mission of providing inspiration, education, and support to you to transform and to practice and spread anti-racism one person at a time, one family at a time, one friend group at a time. We know even with that, it's still very hard. It will take a lot of effort, a lot of persistence, a lot of resiliency. But our members' commitment means that they will take this challenge and they will at some point stand up, speak out, and take action at the pace that feels most appropriate for them. Again, it doesn't matter what you did yesterday or last year or in 2016 or in 2020. What matters is what you choose to do now. You cannot be an anti-racist or anti-hate or stand against racism and call yourself a good person while not standing up, not speaking out, and not taking action. You have to do something to end racism and hate. You have to do what's right when you become aware. This is what ARC is all about. Please visit our website. Listen to the podcast. This is the fourth episode of season two. There are 12 episodes in season one. 16, if my math is correct. A lot of content out there. Watch the Deep Dive talk show. Attend the Community in Action events and go on our website and take a look at the past events. Follow us on social media and subscribe to our newsletter. And look for later in the summer, we're creating a curriculum-based program to actually train our members and anyone who wants to learn how to go through the process of starting your journey to be an anti-racist. Please look for that in the, uh, in the upcoming months over the summer. Most importantly, my daughters gave me feedback. I listened. Please connect with us, get to know us, and provide us with your feedback. I listen to my daughters, we will listen to you. Because to build a racism and hate-free world, we need you. Visit us at joinarc.org to learn more about ARC. Donate to our cause and join the movement that will change the world. To find the Arc of Change podcast with Donzo Leggett and learn more about the Anti-Racism Commitment Coalition or ARC, please visit us at joinarc.org. You can also subscribe to the Arc of Change with Donzo Leggett on your favorite podcast hosting sites. I greatly look forward to our next episode, an opportunity to inspire you to become part of the movement that will change the world by eradicating racism once and for all. Until next time, stay safe. And continue to ask yourself, am I doing enough? And remember that none of us are doing enough as long as racism and hate still exist. Thanks for listening and goodbye. The Arc of Change podcast with Donzo Leggett is brought to you by the Anti-Racism Commitment Coalition. To learn more about Arc 
donate to our cause and join the coalition visit joinarcc.org don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode and share this podcast to help spread our mission to change the world by ending racism once and for all thanks for listening until next time stay safe and be inspired <laughs>